on 105FM and around the world online. This is FM 105, your local station live from the heart of Downpatrick. Well, welcome along to this, the final Chris Scott Show on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Tonight I'm starting off uh, there with Forever Young by Alphaville. And guess what? That song appears in the top 75 most popular funeral songs as published by Legacy.com online. And that sets tonight's scene for this, the final programme. Tonight I'm in conversation with a humanist celebrant uh, who carries out non-religious funerals. An absolutely fascinating subject and maybe not one that we often talk about around the dinner table. But this evening, Joan Davis talks to me all about her fascinating job. I'm in conversation with Joan after this. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. We are now making our way across the Banbridge. We've been in Banbridge before. We've been talking to artists, we've been talking to book writers uh, uh, and so on and so forth, but this is a totally different one tonight. I'm going to welcome onto the programme tonight Joan Davis. Joan, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Joan, I'm going to introduce you as a celebrant, and I'm going to ask you to tell me more about that, but you're a celebrant with humanist ceremonies. Uh, you're a humanist. Yes. What, in the name of goodness, is a humanist? <laughs> yes, well, I'm a humanist funeral celebrant. Um, other colleagues of mine um, also cover weddings and namings, and essentially you'll hear us talked about in terms of non-religious humanist celebrants so it's interchangeable um humanism is, is a movement if you like a loose uh, movement of people who believe in uh, humanity and that humanity are best to organize society and to look after each other and that there's nothing more to it than that that we have one life and that we should be supporting each other to make the best of the one life that we have and therefore, when people are having ceremonies like weddings um, uh, or civil ceremonies and namings of children and burials, funerals, cremations, memorials, that uh, the population has a choice to have a non-religious celebrant uh, to deliver that for them, as opposed to defaulting to perhaps maybe the religion of their birth, maybe they weren't practising Maybe they don't believe. Maybe they never had faith. Um, so they have a choice then of a different way of celebrating their life or celebrating their marriage or celebrating a new baby into the world. And it's completely bespoke that they design how they want that celebration to be. So um, humanism has been in Northern Ireland for a long time. There's a society, there's the humanist Northern Ireland website if people want to check that out to learn more about humanism and there's humanist UK website as well again with more information around ceremonies around um, campaigns around current issues that are being lobbied for for change in terms of um, equality and the non-judgmental approach to how we all live our lives so not everyone is connected uh, to a church anymore, mm-hmm. as would have been the case many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But now people are looking for different ways of, um, if you like, celebrating uh, life changes. And one of those, of course, the biggest life change is death. And um, we talk about people dying 
not passing away, you know, not going somewhere, the person has died. There's a wonderful little book, and I'm not sure actually if or where, to be honest, the public can get hold of this, but it's called The Little Book of Humanism. And I, I'm not sure if that's something you can get on Amazon or whatever, but it's maybe maybe one can order it through um, the, the uh, websites, the humanist websites. And it really explains everything you want to know about where it came from and uh, and why it's growing. Um, and it's not only growing in Northern Ireland, but certainly um, in, in GB and around the world, people are thinking more about and, and questioning more and having you know logical discussions around uh, life and what it's all about. And, um, and, and it's an interesting eclectic mix of people that you, you, you probably wouldn't think are humanists. I mean, there's some you know, high profile scientists and you know, comedians and actors and uh, ordinary folk like ourselves that um, are, are, are finding a different way of thinking. And it's not, um, it's not that there's a, it, it's not a, a mission for humanists uh, to turn people from uh, religion. It's it's an acceptance that there's a place for everybody and a respect. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing around it is a respect for everyone's different belief systems, and and I don't even think you could call humanism a belief system in the same way as you would with organised religion. It's a very loose group of people. And um, the, the general the general gist of it is that um, we're the best people to organise society and look after each other and support each other. Um, there's, you know, it's nothing more complicated than that. And if people were just kind to each other and look out for each other and support each other, maybe the world would be a better place. And that's really how we operate. And mm-hmm. when it comes to funerals, for instance, that that, that I, uh, I'm accredited through the Humanist uh, UK and I've been doing for three years now. Um, and people of all backgrounds, um, all races and all former uh, religious beliefs come looking for um a non-religious celebrant, and often it is the funeral directors who would be knowledgeable in their area about who best to contact. And we act in a in a supporting role as well. It's an important role because you're actually, you know, you're walking into someone else's grief yeah. and shock yeah. and a situation yeah. that they most likely did not expect to find themselves in on that day. And so therefore, there's a certain level of sensitivity has to be um, in place to support them, but to also guide them and reassure them that um, you've got this, you know, together we can do this. And often because they have a focus then and part of our role as funeral celebrants is to help them focus because they often can be in a state of shock. There can be family conflict as well that comes with death. Um, and sometimes you're navigating through that conflict to make sure that everybody is heard. Um, you're having family meetings so that uh, I can explain 
what it actually is that I do, because of course, most people are coming to this for the first time. They're, they're, they're in shock, they're in grief, they're a bit nervous, they're maybe not uh, in a position to make decisions. So there's, there's an awful lot going on with the family. And you have to feel that you're giving everyone a voice and giving everyone options to how they want this to look in terms of how the celebration of that person's life is going to be on the day. And I think from my experience anyway, it's such an empowering situation that there's normally one or two people from the family that rise forward and are empowered and, and think, gosh, this is actually a good idea. Yes, I know what he would want what she would want. She said this to me. He said that to me. And then you start to generate the ideas around how that celebration of life is going to look. Be that in the funeral director's home, in the crematorium, by the graveside, in a hotel, any centre at all. It doesn't actually matter where it is. It can be in the front room, in the back garden, you know, we, we, we deliver it wherever anyone wants us to deliver this. We, we will be there um, and we can give them the structure by which to work. So we're starting the point of view of saying, right, with the funeral director, how much time do we have? And if it's in the funeral director's home, normally you can have half an hour to an hour if it's in the funeral home. Um, if it's a memorial service in the hotel, you have endless hours. If it's in the crematorium currently, it's 15 minutes, used to be 25. So they have choice around all of that and they can work with me to design what the celebration of their loved one's life is going to look about, look like. So that's the emphasis I put on this from the get-go is if you've been to a religious ceremony, this is not going to be like that. So we'll scrap that idea. So it's all about, say it's John and you know, said it's, it's been an accident. So it's all about John and um, and John's life. The, the entire process will be about him. And that will include the family members that might want to speak. People might want to read a eulogy. People might not. Family members sometimes want to, but don't feel able to. So I encourage those people to write something down just start writing something down. And if we have, if it's a crematorium, we'll have maybe more days, you know, we'll have more time than, than the three days that's traditional in Northern Ireland. So we might have five days, we might have seven days. Um, and if I'm normally speaking to them the day after the death uh, and just checking in to say, this is who I am. Funeral director asked me to give you a call. I'm just checking in when would be the best time to sit down and have a chat. So I'm just introducing myself and then waiting uh, to, for them to tell me when's the good time. So I'm not pushing them, saying, you know, oh, gosh, this, we have to get this done. I'm not pushing them. We can have meetings on Zoom. We can have meetings in their front room. We can have meetings in the funeral director's home, uh, funeral home. Wherever it is comfortable, I, we will meet them. And um, so that focuses the mind a bit. So they're thinking, okay, we've got this booked and that booked. We need to work with Joan to, to see what's best for dad or for my mom or whoever it is. And, um, I, and I think it's actually quite therapeutic 
and it comes at the right time that they need a diversion because they're, they're dealing with this loss. So being busy and gathering things and talking to people and often I'll tell them, you know, speak to those uncles and aunts that remember him growing up. Speak to his best friends. Start gathering stories, wee anecdotes. I said, because this can be funny. And, and that people find very strange. What I want them to be thinking about is the good times. Not the fact, we'll often say, what matters is not that John died, but that he lived. And so therefore, the celebration is about that life and how well they lived it and the legacy that they leave behind. Once you start giving them that structure, it really gives them something to do. And, uh, you know, in, in my experience, that's a really good thing because then they start thinking about that funny story at the holidays. You know, that story his brother told about when he was at school. And you start then gathering all of this where he was born, who his parents were. So you're setting him in context. So ultimately, those that actually attend really buy into it immediately because they know who you're talking about. And they're laughing and they're going, oh, gosh, you know, to remember that. And um, and then it, then it becomes an uplifting celebration. And people are coming out smiling. They're not coming out crying. And that's, that's the difference, you know, because the whole half hour involves me setting the context, putting that bit of history in, telling some of the stories that others maybe don't want to tell. And then there's others that will uh, do, a, 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 you know, a eulogy. And, and I've heard some fantastic ones. And, uh, and also then incorporating a poem and maybe the person wasn't into poetry, but there's always a poem that I can find that suits that person. Once I learn about that person and what their interests were and their hobbies, their working life, if they were a family person, you can find a poem that fits and it, it always just calms the thing down. And then we talk about music and that really gets people engaged then because they'll say, oh, he loved this, she loved that. And they'll say things like, uh, well, what kind of music can we have? Mm. And I'll say, this, this is your celebration of your loved one's life. You can have any music that you want to, anything at all. And we can have a piece of music as, as an entry, as people are coming in and settling down. Mm. We'll have a piece of music mid-celebration when I say, now we're going to have a moment of reflection and those with religious faith can have private prayer and uh, others can reflect on the legacy that John has left and the good memories that you have. And we'll play a piece of music for two or three um, minutes. Now, that can be anything, you know, it can be Guns and Roses. It can be um, a piece of classical music. You, you know yourself, it can be anything that suits this individual. And then... At the end, we have another piece of music, again, chosen by the family for the removal. And if we're going to the crematorium, we can have another two pieces of music. So the, the, the music actually brings the person, I think, into the room because it's, it's they're, they're pieces of music that that person particularly liked. And, and then, you know, people resonate with it. And I think the funny stories and the pieces around their work life or what they contributed and maybe they were volunteering uh, maybe they reared a big family 
and have, you know, 30 grandchildren. You know, everyone has a legacy. Um, recent one there where the lady was fantastic seamstress and brilliant cook, which she inherited from her own mother. And she taught all our grandchildren to bake and to cook. And that's a fabulous legacy to leave. Yeah. And, you know, the funny stories about the funny things that she used to say, you know, when she got a word wrong and, you know, all of those, like, it can be small, simple things in life that really resonate with the people that have come together to celebrate their lives. And they come out and they're coming out past me. And often people sometimes shake my hand and say, that was just lovely. That was just Jean or that was just John or I've never been to one of these before. This was fabulous, you know. So you get all sorts of feedback and for, from people with faith and, and are used to going to religious funerals. They're, they're blown away by the fact that this was all about that person that they knew and loved and, and were friends with. So it, it's a whole, I suppose, some people think it's a whole new way of doing things, but in fact, it's been happening. People have been having non-religious funerals for a long time, but I think it's maybe just being talked about more because some of the humanist celebrants and um, uh, Boyd, who, who leads the Northern Ireland uh, group, would be on um, maybe William Crawley and the like. So people are starting to Google this and search this and, and finding out, well, what's all this about then, you know? So... It is. It, it's changing things. Yeah, that that's interesting because Northern Ireland, Ireland, and as well as the world, has always been associated with religious groups and tribes, and we're always put into certain boxes. and And probably there are older generations now who have probably never been in church. You know, we all expect the old, the, the, the granny and the great aunt has have all been to church, but we're probably now finding that those people haven't since Sunday school then. Yeah, funny when I started looking into this, and it was it was a friend that, that flagged it up to me, and and I looked further into it, and and I thought also of of my own um, sister's funeral in two thousand and fourteen, and and that's really what it really pushed me forward because I thought, you know, I mean, not not to take away from it, certainly from anybody's faith or, or the religious ceremonies, but there's often very little said about the person that has died. I mean, it literally could be at anybody's funeral. I, and, and I don't mean that in any derogatory way, but that that's how I felt. And I thought, right, I, I do this. And I went through, training was fantastic. But I had still got this stereotype in my head that it'll be young people. It'll be young people that will be looking non-religious or humanist ceremonies. But I have actually been really, really surprised at the number of funerals that I have done of people in their 70s and 80s. Whereas we stereotype people of that age group as being religious, even if they're not going somewhere on a Sunday morning, they're still people of faith and still people maybe that would pray at home or whatever. I think the Northern Ireland population would be surprised to know how many people are actually not believers. Mm. Um, and it does, you know, and, and also doesn't make you a bad person. I think I think those two things get mixed up a bit here, particularly here in Northern Ireland, that you know, if, if you're not following a Christian faith, 
you must be, you know, well, you're deviant in, in, in some way, there's something wrong. Um, whereas, if you like, the, the, the Christian way of life is also a human way of life. It, it, it's not the preserve of Christianity. Human beings themselves are innately good. Uh, 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 and, and the news makes us think differently. If you listen to a lot of news, you think human beings are innately bad. But there are, there are more good people that will do good things for others, but they don't necessarily go anywhere on a Sunday. It's trying to tease apart the, the, the sort of stereotypes we have of people. And all of the people that I buried or I went to a crematorium with or celebrated their life have all been enormously good people and have done so much for other people in a variety of different ways um you know looked out for people um i'm thinking of one woman uh, in hard times that used to you know take food parcels to to neighbors and uh you know and, and people who grew up during the war and the stories from from that era um all good people all have been out their neighbors and their friends without making a song and dance about it. So yes, you can be non-religious, you can be a humanist, you can be non-Christian and and be a good person and, and want to support those around you. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. It's a subject, death is something that we really don't talk about around the, the Sunday dinner table. And uh, you made a point earlier that these things come unexpectedly at that time. Yes, we do know there's a cycle of life, as you, as you know, Joan, but sometimes it can just hit us tragically, um, you know, a situation that you never expected. Do you find there are many people out there who have sat down with their children or their grandchildren and said, here's exactly what I want, or are you finding you're going into your house and they haven't a clue, they have no idea what nanny wanted? It's it, 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 it both, Chris. There are people, and we have um, human as well, I suppose, others as well, have um, options for people to come to us and meet with us and plan their own funeral oh. um, and, and, and have something inbuilt that if, if I went before them, that that, that that plan would pass on to another celebrant. So, so people are becoming more aware of that. Mm-hmm. And I suppose those, those with faith can do that as well, of course, sit down with yes. their, their families. Yep. Um, so I think more people, because the good thing about all of this is that we need to get people to talk about death because it's it's an inevitability for everyone. But we have a society that uh, shies away from discussing it. I mean, it's certainly not discussed in, in schools, as far as I'm aware, unless there's some awful tragedy. So it does make you wonder, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about birth and how people come into the world and all of that and, and other, you know, um, uh, other passages of, 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 of through life, but we just don't talk about death and w- what it has done for me. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people who have had death in their family, it opens up, it, it finally opens up that option to have that conversation with your, uh, your, your parents if they're older and also with your children as well. So it, it's, it's, it's a bit like the um, organ donor campaign. Please, people, talk about this um, because it, it could be you either needing it or able to donate it. 
So it's, it's, in a way, it can be tied into, listen, we're all going to die. Let's get this out on the table now. So, yes, there are a lot of people planning, writing notes, uh, choosing their music, talking to their loved ones. And then when I meet them, they will say, yes, mommy always said if she died, you know, play, uh, you know, King of the Road or something, you know, whatever it is. Others, I've gone in to families that are in such a state of shock that they can barely that can barely give me any information at all. It, it's, it, can, it, it can be very challenging. You, you, you get all sorts of situations that you have to be prepared for. And often in that situation, I leave them with, with a template. If I feel the time is just not right for these people, I, I'm only making this worse. And I'll, I'll tell them generally what I do, how I do it. I leave this with you and maybe... Um, you know, on, on Wednesday, I, I'll phone you, you know, I'll I choose the lead person and, you know, we'll follow up on this. So at least um, they have that space then to to pull something together so that they have something to give me. Other families, um, I'm thinking of a family some months ago, um, well, it was, it was a group of adult siblings, actually, that had lost uh, one of their number. And it was a, it was a dreadful, sad loss, and 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 again, relatively young woman, but she, her personality was such, and I got that the minute I went in to meet them, that they all they were all talking at the same time. They all wanted to tell me mm. what a fabulous girl she was, what a brilliant wife, sister, daughter, uh, friend, uh, um, her character. Um, how boisterous she was, how funny she was. It was one of the best meetings I ever had because it was so funny. We mm. had so much to laugh about that, that when I left, I felt I, I felt I knew, I felt I'd known this woman for years um, because of all the stories they were able to give me that really put her into context for me. And that then allows me to write something that, that if you like, brings her to life in the celebration. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's fascinating, really, you know, it really is. It must be a real skill, Joan, to consolidate someone's 90 year, years on this earth just in half an hour. I mean, that must take a lot of skill just to do it and to get it right. I mean, what sort of training have you had? Yes, well, the training was, was um, it was Humanist UK trainers came over to Northern Ireland. And uh, there was, there's it's several days, it's very intense. You know, you're listening to, sto- you know, they, they get you to listen to a story. They give you someone speaking on the screen for 10 minutes and you have to take notes. And, it, you know, it, it gets you into the frame of mind of trying to write down everything these people are saying mm-hmm. so that uh, then they'll go around and say, right, well, what do you know about Chris? So the re- it's, it's really full on uh, training. And then we, we spend a whole day towards the end up in the crematorium actually delivering you know a fictitious um funeral so you're you're marked on that by your peers and your trainers so you get to each of us got to hear the other one and you learn from that you learn from other people's styles as well you learn you know how to slow down because as you've heard in northern ireland we i we talk very fast and it's you know you have to learn to breathe you have to learn um, to remember there are full stops uh, and and timing and um, 
addiction and um, slowing down, all of those things, it's bringing all of that to the fore as well as the actual practical. And I think I'm not sure if you can be taught this really. I I think most of us that were on the training were people um, with a lot of (coughs) experience and we've all had, you know, different careers and different paths and different life experiences. So we had the ability to, I think, draft what we call a working script to draft a script. And that's that's what you do first. You know, with all the information you get, you're drafting a working script and you're timing it. You have to time to see if this is going to fit and see how you can reword it. Is it too wordy? Um, are, are you overusing words that aren't really needed? So you're doing a lot of reworking it that way and also breaking it up with the poem and the music at the re- the timing and where you're fitting in maybe the husband's eulogy or the daughter's eulogy. It, it is, it's a lot of information to pull together. And sometimes, no, not often, but there are some times where you do have to leave something out. And you have to really think long and hard about, do I leave it out or do I reduce it? Mm-hmm. Or do I speak about it in passing? How, how do I manage this? But often, if you are delivering in the funeral home and the crematorium or the graveside, you'll have time to fit everything in appropriately. It's, it's not a matter of, you know, cutting and pasting. It, it, it has to flow. It it has to, if it doesn't flow, then it's disjointed, then it doesn't sound right. So, uh, and particularly if there's some humor in it, you want, you want the humor to be picked up. You you don't want that to fall flat, you you know? So, Mm -hmm. so there is, there is a particular skill in that, that I think, I'm not sure if you can be taught it. I mean, you can be helped to, um, to take the rough edges off it through the training, but I think you have to have a natural flair for writing to some degree and some experience in, in, in other walks of life, because that's the key to making this. You don't want to lose your, your, your family or, or the people there that are there to mourn the, the loss, but to celebrate the life. You don't want them wandering off thinking about something else. You want them to stay with you to get the full picture before they leave. They're, they're right enough, it, it, has, it has to flow. It definitely yeah. has to flow. And that's what makes it a good celebration of life. Yeah, I get that. So do you get any really strange requests? I, I, I wouldn't want to personalise them here, but, you know, is there any that you've went, uh, no, I can't do that? You know, are you open to everything? I mean, if somebody wanted video in and somebody wanted maybe pictures displayed and... Maybe somebody wanted that track in the crematorium that really wasn't quite appropriate, but it's their time, it's their relative. You know, have you ever had to say, I don't think we can do that? Um, well, I personally haven't had that experience now um, because I, I do lay it down, you know, very strongly from the beginning that this is a non religious right. ceremony. Now, I have sometimes you can't, I'll be honest. Sometimes you can't be caught on the hop because as celebrants, we want to see everything that everybody else is going to say so that we're not caught on the hop. So if, you know, Jimmy and Johnny are, are going to write something about their dad, I want it sent through to me. 
Now, that makes you sound a wee bit like a control freak. But the reasoning for that that I have to explain to um, families is timing. I need to know how long this is going to be so that I can work around this. If I have to reduce what I'm doing to let Johnny do his piece, if we're tied for time. So I, I really do. One, there was one situation where I didn't get the pace, but I was assured um, you know, it's only going to be a couple of minutes. And it was this deceased person's um, uncle. And um, I called him up to speak and he um, read a piece out of the Bible. <laughs> I had, you know, what what could I do? Um, uh, I, I said, you know, I, I thanked him. And I, I, the way I dealt with it was, um, that uh, that this, you know, I, I can just remind you, this was a non-religious celebration yeah, of, course, yeah. of uh, Jimmy's uh, life. But as you know, his parents have strong faith. So um, Uncle Thing wanted to say a few words. So th th that was just the way. So you don't really like anything being um, uh, unknown to you because it can throw the whole situation out of kilter. But music-wise, um, no, you get a lot of heavy metal and, and the like and, and the other extremes. Yeah. But um, if, if, if it, it doesn't, I mean, there's nothing that, that I have ever come across that was particularly um, out, out of the ordinary. And it, it, all, it all works for the character of the person. You know, I think yeah. that, that, that Disturbia track, um, the sound of... Um, Silence is that the sound of silence was the original Simon Garfunkel? Yeah, yeah. yeah and I've like had it. that a few times. I've had that a few times, and that, yeah. that's a really good one. Um, so no, you get. I mean, sometimes you get the same, you know, the same songs that people are choosing, but um, other times, and that's part of the, you know, you research that as well and find this new piece of music that I hadn't heard before, and, mm. and then you think, oh gosh, I, I like that. You know, must remember that's a lovely piece. Um, from some artists that I hadn't heard of. People are very eclectic in their tastes because they can actually have classical music and something maybe like Westlife or something as, as well. So um, yeah, I haven't ever had a situation where I've said to a family, no, no, you, you can't do that. You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Um, it's not, you know, sometimes people want to bring up a piece of art that, that the person painted or the, the granddaughter is going to play the violin in the crematorium. You'll get all sorts of lovely wee personal yeah. touches. But that, that, that's what makes it personal. Yeah. And I am, I'm a real believer that it helps the grieving process. I really do think the whole process of working with us to do this starts the grieving process. The celebration makes them feel we have really given him her a really good farewell. We, we've done him proud. You know, people will say things like that. And that helps them then cope with the loss. And, uh, and I think too, one of the things about um, celebrating people's life that um, has really made me think about why why aren't we doing this with our loved ones when they're alive? Because I'm often thinking when I'm reading this to this group of um, bereaved people, why weren't you doing this 
at their birthday when they were 30 or 40 or 60. You know, isn't that a better idea? Shouldn't we be celebrating, doing the story of their life and the celebration of their life and telling them how much they'll be missed, how much they're loved when they're alive? Why don't we do that? I'm thinking more and more about this. We wait until they're dead and then we tell everybody how fantastic they were, how talented, how thoughtful, how kind, how direct, how, you know, irritable, you know, all, all their little foibles are talked about when they're dead. Do you know what that reminds me of? Eamon Andrews, This Is Your Life. This okay, your it life. was famous people, but everybody has a story, isn't that right? We're maybe onto something here. We, we should maybe go off her and get this patented or copywriter. But do you know, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice just to present them with a massive big red book with everything in it and say, here's how, here's why you're special. Yeah, good yes. idea. I think we're onto yes. something there, Joan. I think, Chris, think Chris, yes, I think we should patent that and we could have a small business doing birthdays. Yeah. This is your life. There you go. <laughs> I'll do the writing, you do the presenting. Joan, it's something that always interests me. And I've been to so many funerals in my personal life and you know, standing in churches or wherever it happens to be, and the minister reads out something, and there's there might be, albeit might be a lot about somebody's life, there might be lots. And then you walk away, and sometimes it's been recorded, so the family, you know, because if you're in that situation, you can't really remember what's been said. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, if you're on the outside, you might remember something. You're not going to remember everything. But I always wondered, you know, if, they, if you think of even the clergy, even yourself, and you've done so many different ceremonies, Think of the family history that you, the knowledge that you have on on five, six, eight bits of paper. Can the family ever get a copy of that script? Yes, um, that's a good question, Chris, because I think that's what makes us different as well um, from other uh, types of funeral, is that because we've worked so closely uh, developing a bespoke script that the family are happy with, they will certainly get a copy of that either on the day um, but if it has been maybe a, a three-day process, the final script mightn't be ready and we would post it to them afterwards. We will be working mm-hmm. with a working script. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it, you know, if it's one of those where there's a week between death and uh, cremation, we will have a bound copy of the script for them. I would also email it to whoever the, the link was for me in terms of the family representative. I would um, email it to them so they can email it then round the family circle so that those are living in America and Australia or indeed just down the road, everyone will have a copy of that and it'll be, you know, a condensed life story of their their granny or their mother or their father or whoever so they, they can all share in that. And also some families do video the ceremony. Um, sometimes the funeral director depending on on which funeral director it is, will have the setup within the funeral home where they can live stream it to relatives who are, again, you know, in England or um, abroad in some description. So it can be live streamed and it can be recorded as well. And sometimes in other settings, the family are just recording it so that they always have that. And and nice in, in easier times, maybe to reflect on and to look back on as well. What a brilliant idea. You'd sort of said earlier, you, you'd mentioned about there's some some um, celebrants who get involved with marriages and naming ceremonies. You, you wouldn't call them baptisms yes. because of the, yes. the, the way you, you, you're organised. But 
you just deal with the funerals. So that seems to me to be the sad, you know, the sad side of life. How do you, do you not need, do you never go home at night and go, oh no, I just, you just get so down? Or how do you deal with that on a personal level? No, people always ask me that and people have asked me, you know, will you do the wedding um, celebrants training? And I'm thinking, no, um, I, I don't think I could deal with um, with the, the, the long lead into weddings and maybe all the changes that could happen for months up until the very day. Uh, that, that's a huge piece of work. And, and our um, humanist wedding celebrants um, are all extremely busy. It, that's one area now that has really, really rapid. It has really taken off in Northern Ireland. They're doing hundreds of those a year. Um, really popular and they're fantastic. And anybody that's been to a, a humanist wedding ceremony, they're, they're blown away. They talk about it forever. A, a, a work colleague of mine had said, oh, I was at you know, my cousin's wedding on Saturday and it was one of those um, humanist celebrants and it was absolutely amazing because they do, the, there's, there's these hand tying rituals and sand and, and it's all sorts of things. And the, the couple themselves write this again it's bespoke with the celebrant I mean it's fabulous and it really it it makes a wonderful day similarly with the naming ceremony but for me I suppose I I don't know maybe it's I don't know but I do like the funeral ceremony and I don't I, I it doesn't make me sad it makes me actually feel and it just needs one person this 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 is sad actually it just needs one person coming out the group of people are coming out past me and one person said to me, um, thank you, Joan, that was lovely. Or, you know, that was really good. And I'm thinking, job done. And it, as long as the, the, the mourner that I'm dealing with most, say, say the the um, the widower or, or the parent who says, you know, thank you, that, that was wonderful. That's my job satisfaction just there in that moment. And I feel, um, and, and I don't, this sounds a bit twee and so. But I do genuinely feel privileged that these people engaged me and trusted me to deliver this at their, their if you like, their, their most awful moment in their life, that they give this to me yeah. um, to deliver for them and for their loved one that trusted me to do that. And if, if they're happy with how it worked out on the day, then the, the job satisfaction it makes me feel good, yeah. not sad, you know. Yeah. I, I do feel that when I meet people, because uh, I mean, we're all human, obviously, and we've all had losses in our own lives, and sometimes some of them can resonate with me, and it makes you think about, some. you know, it can make you think of someone that you have lost yourself, maybe the age of the person or something about them, or you just, it makes you think. But it, it does remind you that everybody that you, it, it, you know, if you go to Tesco's tonight, or you're going out to a bar, or you're going to a wedding yourself, or you're going to work on tomorrow morning, that everybody that you meet along the way is dealing with something. There's something going on in their lives. They're dealing with something. And everybody you meet has had a bereavement, be it three weeks ago or 30 years ago. But everybody knows what that's like. And and I think that's 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 what makes me do it and that's what makes me concentrate on the funerals because 
I just think it's such a wonderful privilege to have, really, to do that for somebody. And and I get, often I am learning about someone and I'm often thinking, gosh, I would have loved to have met this person. There are so many interesting stories, mm-hmm. um, and particularly a lot of um, elderly people that have lived such fascinating lives and really have seldom even spoken about it, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it is it's fascinating and you meet such lovely lovely people so all in all it, it's it's a, it's a really really privileged thing to do for any family you know and it's um i think we're averaging now somewhere around uh, per month around 35 36 funerals per month in northern ireland are, are that we know of in terms of the humanists funerals now there are other people maybe that are having non-religious funerals so if if you look at it there could possibly be 50 or more a month maybe who who knows you know but just from our stats you know it's 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 on average 35 funerals a month which is it and it's on the rise every month so more people are questioning and i also think to be fair funeral directors have been very helpful in, in this arena for us because they're the people who are at the, the cold face when 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 disaster hits, when there's a sudden death or someone passes away and someone dies after a long illness, the family will go to their local funeral director that they've maybe used before. Or maybe they're searching for one because this is the first time they've had to take responsibility mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a funeral and they have no idea what's entailed absolutely none so the funeral director has a huge piece of work and and all the funeral directors that i've met absolutely first class right across the country in every corner of it and they're so sensitive and so professional and they're the people that that are on the forefront when somebody says but i don't know a minister or i don't know a pre- i don't know like he didn't go anywhere she didn't do it she didn't say there, there's an element of panic I said, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And, and that's where the funeral director is wonderful. And we'll sit with them and say, well, he, these are your choices. Yes. You know, ha, ha, if, if you really think mum would want a non-religious ceremony, I can put you in touch with somebody. And it's at that point they'll say, oh, can really, can we do that? You know, so it starts another conversation. So really, you know, it, it is the funeral director that is, um, uh, it's an unintentional consequence of their job, but they're actually educating the population around choice and uh, approach to um, to the the end of life and to burials and cremations and uh, and celebrations. So that that's really they know us now. They know that we are professional. They know that they can trust the panel of of. Uh, celebrants that's out there uh so and, and so it's word of mouth works yeah. in northern ireland through through that way as well you know Joe, just just to conclude anyone who wants to get in touch do they can they get in touch with you direct or do they have to go through a website or a funeral track you know if anybody just wants to chat with you how, how's that done have you your own contact numbers or emails or they can they can find us all um we are all on the on the humanist uk and humanist ni website uh, if you're searching for a celebrant, you know, you can search for a wedding celebrant, search for a naming celebrant, search for a funeral celebrant. That's all very easily accessible online. 
And but I, and now in my experience, very few people find me that way. Now, other the, the the wedding celebrants are very good at promoting themselves using Instagram and uh, you know social media. I suppose we don't do that enough from a funeral celebrant point of view. We're not really using. Some people maybe have a Facebook page, but it, it's a it's a difficult one to market, if you like. Um, so it, it usually the celebrant is connected uh, with the funeral director's direction, really, because mm-hmm. the, the 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 family have left it in the hands of the funeral director, and the funeral director and the staff will use somebody that maybe they use quite often um and if if that person's booked up with other work um they'll, they'll have a they'll have a list themselves that they'll go down and then we have our own the funeral celebrants you know we have our own whatsapp group so if somebody has been contacted and is double booked say for instance they've got a wedding on that day they'll put it up on whatsapp and one of us will pick it up then so that that any funeral that really does need humanist celebrant will have one brilliant that is superb joe can i thank you for coming on tonight i mean i could talk to you for hours there's so much in this but you know and thank you so much for coming on tonight but can i just say I really don't want to be ringing your number in the near future or at any time down the line for a long, long time, Joan. <laughs> well, listen, Chris, thanks a million for uh, giving me the opportunity to demystify that. I do really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Thank you so much to Shivana Celebrant Joan Davis for joining me on tonight's show. And what a fascinating subject and what a fascinating conversation. So that's just about it for me on FM 105 Down Community Radio. You've been tuned in to my very last show here with the station. And thank you so much. I mean, a big thank you to everyone uh, who's made the show the success it has become and joined me on the show over the past almost, what, two and a half years? Too many people to mention, uh, far too many people to mention, uh, hundreds of interviews, but thank you so much to FM 105 for giving me the opportunity to broadcast with them. It has been fun, I must say, and uh, the highlights of all previous programs are available on Spotify and also all those other platforms. You'll find those on the Chris Scott Down About Down podcast. Do keep an eye out on that one. That may be the future, uh, but more about that at at a later time. I want to thank also the local papers for their constant support that's the Down Recorder and Moon Observer and the online Down News for their support and supporting the programme over the past number of years I'm going to leave you tonight with another song uh, that's very popular at funerals It's My Way it's not the Frank Sinatra version it's this one from Shirley Bassey so for me Chris Scott good night folks you.